Welcome to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. I'm Trevor Maxwell. I'm a stage four colon cancer survivor, and I've got a message for other men. You don't have to go through this alone. What does it mean to man up to cancer? It means reaching out instead of isolating. It means having the courage to accept help along the way. To me, manning up isn't just about being tough. It's about knowing that we're stronger and smarter as a pack than we are as lone wolves. So Man Up to Cancer was basically a idea bouncing around my head late last year, 2019, to try to solve this problem of guys isolating when they go through cancer. And now it's like still early 2020. Uh, we're in April right now. And it's actually become a real thing. It's like a real platform. We have a real community and it's just been a few months. So it's kind of crazy, but we have a website. We have a lot going on on social media. Now we're doing this podcast and everything's tied together with this wicked awesome logo of a howling wolf silhouetted on a circle shield. Now, for those of us in New England, wicked awesome means top shelf, A+. So none of this would be happening, though, without the person joining me today on the podcast. This is the genius behind the logo, behind the website, and a lot of other cool stuff. Kellen Wellborn is my unexpected creative collaborator for this Man Up to Cancer mission. And I say unexpected because she is not a man. Uh, she does not have cancer. But as I've discovered, there is a lot to be gained from collaborating with people who have different perspectives. And plus, Kellen is smarter than I am. She is kind, and she has a very sensitive bullshit meter that she's not afraid to share when it goes off, and I need that often. So these are just a few of the reasons why I'm thrilled to let you know that Kellen has agreed to come on the show regularly and to co-host many of the interviews with me. Kellen, it is great to see you. Thank you for doing this. Well, that was a lovely introduction. Also, I'm horrible. You can add to that at taking compliments. So thank you. Yes. Kellen is very quick to compliment everyone else and be very self-effacing and like deferential to the point of like a huge flaw that she's working on. Is this true? That is very true. (laughs) One of the flaws. (laughs) So let's go back a little bit. So I have known you for a little bit just around town. So Kellen lives like three miles down the road from me in Cape Elizabeth, Maine, which is fortuitous. And we are raising kids in the same town. And so we've known each other a little bit through like social circles. Um, we've, our work has kind of crossed paths a little bit in the past and which involved kickboxing, which maybe we'll get into later, but yeah, like, so we've known each other for a while, but it wasn't until this past January when I started this man up to cancer thing. And I'm like, wow, I need a logo and I need a, a website and who do I know that could do that? And I just thought of Kellen and I reached out, but Kellen did not want to do the man up to cancer project initially. Is this true or false? That's false. I think. Yeah, there was no hesitation actually on my end. One, because we had known each other from kickboxing, I think is the first time we really did kind of meet and you were positive in a way that made me actually thinking I could actually become a kickboxer at some point in my life, which would be a huge mistake. But I don't know. You you were very fierce in there. But anyways, go ahead. <laughs> and I think that one of the things that I got from your initial email of just asking if we could meet was, one, you were going to buy me coffee, which is always a plus on my side. True. And we met. And once you just sat down and talked to me about your experience, your personal struggles with some of the mental health aspects of your care, 
I immediately was gravitating to your story, but also through your passion of wanting to be supporting to the people that you know are out there that are going through the same thing. The hesitation you probably saw on my face when we first started talking was the name, because in this current era of people really dealing with the aspects of masculinity and how it affects women and the people around men that are affected by certain aspects. Yeah. So I have to say, well, I did come at you like I was going on little sleep at the time as well. And I was very kind of like strung out on this idea of man up to cancer. I'm like, Kellen, I have this idea, man up to cancer. Like let's, let's roll. Let's put this community together. And you're like, man up. Right. So what was, yeah. Tell me a little bit about more about your initial reaction to the name. My initial reaction was before you explained the service was it felt exclusive to just men, which as a female, there's just so much out there that feels exclusive to men already. Right. Um, And so I was concerned that it was another forum that potentially was going to be a way for men to kind of exclude other people. But once you explained it, it made complete and utter sense. And it seems like actually a community that in some ways has felt excluded from care from other organizations within the cancer support groups. Yeah, go there some more because you you don't have personal impact of cancer in your direct family or what, what background do you have that in, might intersect with cancer care in general? Yeah, my grandmother had actually has passed from colon cancer. So I do have some specific family members in that my family is at a higher risk and gets tested Mm -hmm. more regularly. Mm -hmm. Um, But not in my direct family in the sense that my parents or my husband or, you know, I'm I'm very lucky in that way. I do find that there is a lot of crossover between cancer care and other immune compromised diseases right um and things like that and health challenges in general right and some of the things that you've mentioned in your care is very much in direct cross-section with what my dad has gone through with his health issues and what my husband has gone through with his health issues who both deal with a chronic illness so we met at this coffee shop and i kind of had this folder of just random stuff and like images and and an idea because at that point I had no idea what I wanted man up to cancer to be just because I was writing about it. I started blogging about it, but then I started feeling like it really needed some type of visual identity, almost like starting to create this brand and a community for guys impacted by cancer and the people who love them. And that's another big thing about, you know, when I first introduced it to you, I was like, look, this is not just a guy thing. Um, Yes. The, the impetus is around this problem of guys checking out when they go through cancer. But when that happens, that affects everyone in their family, their community, women, men. Um, It's really a community thing, not just a guy thing. So, I mean, does that kind of capture a little bit about what we talked about back at the coffee shop? And what did you think when you you were looking at thinking about a, a visual creation that would tie it all together? Well, I know that you had a lot of very specific thoughts on what your feelings towards your vision would be, which as a designer and a creative, always great. When you're working with somebody who already feels like they have a connection to certain visuals that lend themselves to how they think about themselves and the people that are around them, it was helpful. You you really guided me towards things that you felt comfortable with as sharing as part of your story. And the wolf pack idea was something that you were very strong about. And I made a lot of sense with talking about how there's these real vulnerable parts of a pack structure of a natural habitat with wolves and, right. you know, but then how also you're working to kind of create this community that is really working together to accomplish a goal. 
Yeah, and the, and the quick background on that is that I, when I was thinking about launching this Man Up to Cancer project, I was I was reading and, and watching some material about wolves, and that really just struck me about about how social the wolf pack is and how much they care for each other. And I always talk about this: if one wolf is sick or is injured, the pack never abandons that member. The pack circles around, supports that wolf until he's back in good health and part of the pack. Or if he does die, they actually mourn that loss as a community. And it just really speaks to me as a man going through cancer that that's how I want us to be for one another. So so you took this, the wolf imagery, and you're an artist. You and your husband, Jason, are both artists. In fact, you did you meet at art school? Yep. We met in college in Florida at a private art college. Right. So tell me a little bit about more about um, you as a, as a creative then. So there's the art piece of you and what, what are you most interested in as a creative professional? I think that my interest as an artist and a professional artist has always been one that is helping people when they have something that they want to communicate to people, understanding that the visual impact of that can far outweigh sometimes just trying to verbalize it. And you have a real strength with verbal communication and written communication, but we live, especially currently in a day and age where we get about five seconds of people's attention span. Right. And being able to communicate large ideas in simplistic but beautiful pieces of art is very helpful. My husband is an illustrator and animator, um, so he tells stories in a very different way than I tell stories. I'm telling stories in either printed materials, web applications, and things like that. But my goal has always been to use my, I'll say talent, although... (laughs) Sometimes I feel like anytime I have to say something that sounds like it's a humble brag. Ellen, <laughs> you're good. You're good. I'm, I'm here to validate this. I think that using my talent to help people, especially better any certain community, I've worked with nonprofits for a long time and small businesses, and I do really think that there's power to visual communication alignment with you know strong missions. So... Just by getting to know me more in January, you were able to like, okay, yeah, I got this. And then you like just turned around this amazing logo and then you're like, oh yeah, we can, I'm like, we also need a website. (laughs) And you're like, yeah, no problem. Like within like two weeks, there's this awesome website up and people are starting to interact with it. And it's like, it's starting to really get traction right away. I mean, did you have a sense that when you were doing the Wolf logo that it was going to really resonate with the people in, in our community as much as it has? I think you have been a very good gauge for me on what is going to resonate with your community, because obviously I'm not involved in your community in the way that you are for a number of reasons, but also because you kind of seem to be a pretty strong gauge for how people respond. And when I showed the logo to you first, we had only one real back and forth one, you know, you were super clear about some of the edits you wanted and I made those edits and you were all about it engaged pretty quickly. And so your response to it, I thought was a pretty good gauge of how your community was. Well, right. Because I'm a caveman and my caveman response is like, that's cool. Right. I want that on a hat and on a shirt and on a, and on a poster. I'm like, Kellen, I need a poster of this logo. And she's like, okay, so what are you thinking? Like, you know, what it was. I thought it was going to be like a 24 by 36 (laughs) size poster, which is a fairly standard side poster. It's the size that you had in your room as a kid of like Cindy Crawford. Wait, how did you know that? (laughs) But also it was, 
you came back, you wanted it like three feet. Yeah, no, too small. Like, let's go big, you know, um, because I'm very attracted to visual branding. Being an athlete, you know, coming out of a background as a young man growing up that wore my Celtics gear and my Red Sox gear and my Patriots gear. Like I was always wearing stuff that identified me with a team and how I felt about that team. And so I started to feel like this man up to cancer thing. It's like guys going through cancer need, I mean, some of us who are from that background want and are looking for a logo, uh, a brand really that will identify us as whatever language you want to insert here. I think of myself as a warrior. I have lots of scars from my surgeries. My kids love uh, talking about them and making up stories about how I was bitten by sharks. But I feel like I've been going through a war as I go through cancer. I have that mindset of like, all right, like I'm I'm in the shit. I'm I'm battling, and I want something to represent that spirit of kind of defiance and strength and the courage that it takes to go through some of the shit that we go through. And there really isn't anything like that out there that I could find. So I, it's almost like, okay, well, let's just come up with something on our own. The gear that I have been wearing is um, the warrior gear, which is done by this. There's a great guy in, in Biddeford, Maine here who does this catalyst for change clothing uh, and apparel merchandise. And he has a warrior line um, that applies to, you know, I, th- I think it's for veterans, for people going through cancer, for people who just identify with that warrior mentality. And I had been wearing his sweatshirts and shirts like constantly for months and now I'm like, all right, now I want some man up to cancer stuff. So you you have jumped in and like made that a reality. So that that has been huge. And for the people in my in our private Facebook group, the Howling Place, which is for guys impacted by cancer, they are loving it too. And they're identifying with it. And they're saying like, yeah, it's cool to have like a totem or something that can symbolize our together. Our togetherness. Yeah. I think as humans, we oftentimes fight this balance of not wanting to be put in a box with a label, but then also creating those for ourselves. One of the things about brand knowledge in general is that humans want to connect. And one of the ways that we do that is we connect through a common interest in something. And unfortunately, in your case, the common interest is going through a life-changing, also life-threatening illness. Exactly. But it doesn't mean that you don't want to connect with the people who are going through those types of challenges. Yeah, totally. And I get like there is a there is a balance there because I'm not, you know, I think the tribe tribal marketing and finding your tribe and all that stuff. Like I, I think that obviously there's appeal there, and that's what I'm talking about here. But not as an exclusive thing. Like as a like I don't want to carve out us versus them, like cancer people versus non-cancer people. So really what I'm trying to do is give guys going through cancer and the people who love them a community that also has something that they can identify with it visually, but also isn't saying to other communities, you know, you don't belong here or, or we're separate from you in a way that we can't find common ground. Right. I think that we're definitely trying to find the balance of how you can be vulnerable And also have strength at the same time, especially as a man, because that is what you're trying to balance here with this community. You're saying to your men that we suffer, we need to talk about it. Right. Like we are dealing with something beyond our control, which is a real challenge for the male community in general. I think it's also a challenge for the female community. But what you have mentioned to me throughout this process is that there are statistics out there that prove that women can go through these situations in a way where we feel more comfortable in communicating our needs and also 
our frustrations and what we're going through and finding the people who can kind of help us deal with that. I mean, I think that probably I would have to check, but I'm sure there's a statistic that shows that women are more readily able to go to therapy. hundred percent. And, and, and so this man up to cancer, the, the male isolation problem is not just based on my anecdotal observation. I mean, yes, I personally have seen this time and time again through my cancer journey, but I've also taken a deep dive into the research around it. And there is tons of science to show that due to cultural conditioning slash biology, which those two interplay so much, right? Like biology is shaped by culture. Culture is shaped by, by biology. But the bottom line is all the science also shows that when women are facing a life-threatening situation, whether it be cancer or anything else, they are far more comfortable and um, more likely to access their community, to access their um, networks, to reach out. So they tend to reach out and that has tons of benefits. Whereas men uh, in the same challenge tend to isolate and withdraw. And again, like I always say, the problems there are many. (laughs) The top three being number one, mental health. Number two, the relationships that suffer when men withdraw. And number three, when you withdraw and you're not reaching out, you're not learning about your disease, you're not talking to other patients, you're not finding the best treatments. So you're actually um, harming your own chance of beating your disease when you isolate. I think that many women who would be listening to this also would probably be able to relate to the fact that if you have a man in your life who you love, a spouse, a best friend, a sibling, a father, that we all have seen this in any form. And it doesn't have to be dealing with a chronic illness. But it, you know, I have a lot of male friends when I went to college, the ratio of women to men at a private art college was very really? low. It's hard to fathom that there's very few women. Um, and so I have a lot of male friends from college. And, I'll, you know, as we age, I find that I reach out to them and I talk to them and we communicate. But if I didn't make the first steps of asking real questions about how they were doing in their lives, there was no way that that conversation was going to happen, that they oftentimes are not going to be the first to take a step into a vulnerable place. And that it takes me as the woman in their relationship to break that barrier. I'm doing fine, Kellen. Leave me alone. I'm good. (laughs) I think that you probably have noticed, you know, I've only really known you on both sides of your care. You know, I met you before you were diagnosed. BC, before cancer. Before cancer. And then we weren't in touch much until now, really. Right. Right. Where you're coming out of a place of knowing that you need this help. I was not in communication with you during the time where you were struggling. Ooh, with trying yeah, to find I wasn't out. in communication with anyone during that time. I think that right now when we have conversations, I see this, this level of you understanding it is okay if we're having a conversation for you to cry. That is okay. And that you don't... I'm not crying over here, Kelly. <laughs> you don't seem... Just cutting onions. <laughs> no, this is true. I, I mean, I... So, and that's... I'm very lucky in so many ways. One of the ways is that it was never shameful for me to cry. Like I grew up in a household where both my parents, like, like if I was emotional and I needed to cry about something like that was okay. I was never told to like, suck it up, like shut up, get like, stop whining about it. Stop crying. A lot of my guy friends were brought up in that environment. So I had less to overcome in terms of that upbringing. You also live with three women. I do. Which I think is in some ways helpful for them to, you've seen their emotional range. 
I have. So yes, uh, my wife, Sarah, our daughter's Sage, she's 14 right now. Elsie's 12. We also have a three-year-old uh, chocolate lab named Grace and a 10-year-old cat named Nessie. So it's actually five to one. Um, so yeah, that, true. So there's all that background. And, and like when a commercial will come on, I'm generally the one who's crying. I would read The Giving Tree to my kids and, you know, I cannot get through that book <laughs> without like literally weeping. Like, I don't even know why. I, I, at some point I should have just stopped trying. Yeah, to, maybe you should just stopped reading it. <laughs> right. The, like the kids would be like three and five and they'd be looking up at me like, oh, dad's not okay again. Right. But, you know, and I understand that that's not every guy's thing. And again, the, you know, Man Up to Cancer is inclusive for all different types of man like there's some of us who are gonna talk about it and get vulnerable and cry about it and stuff like that but there's other guys in our community that that they don't they might not want to talk about it but maybe they want to go fishing with two or three other guys who are right. going through the same cancer that they are and maybe they don't talk about it or maybe they go fishing and then they all of a sudden find themselves talking about it you know so there's different needs it's not like all men facing cancer have the same needs like we oh well we all need to do this or we all need to do a certain type of therapy what i'm getting at is we all do have needs. Right. <laughs> and it's trying to find out, it's acknowledging that and saying, I do have needs right now. I'm feeling overwhelmed. What are some tools in the box that I can go to now to process this and get right. through? I think one of the things that you did well when you were talking about how this brand should look and feel towards the people in your community is that you start with a fierce approach. You start with a, a an approach that says to men, Look at how strong we are. Look at what we can do for each other. And then you kind of start breaking it down where you're like, okay, right. I, I got you with the fierce part. I got you with I got yep. you involved with knowing that we are a strong unit. And that we can be aggressive toward our disease right. together. Yeah. And now now let's talk about the real shit. Like right. now let's talk about why this is scary. Let's talk about why we need to be in this together. And breaking it down by that, but having a place where they can just come at first and be like, you know, just really strong. Yeah, because I, I do feel like we are all about generalizations on this podcast <laughs> and in this space for sure, because that just is the way it is. And I understand that everyone's individual. Yeah, we get that. We should put a disclaimer on all these There's shows. an asterisk. Asterisk. <laughs> everyone's different. We get it. But there are some larger threads here. And one of which is that men tend to want to tackle a problem like cancer with a problem-oriented focus. Right. Rather than an emotion-oriented focus. There's a leaky pipe. I need to fix that yes, pipe. I, right? Like, I am broken. How do I fix this? And part of coming at that from that problem orientation is that you need an attitude. Like, yeah, like bring your fears. Like, you're going to need to cultivate a sense of toughness you need to beat your chest before you can yeah act. you gotta puff up and be like yeah i got i got this i'm gonna i'm gonna beat this i'm gonna get through this like that's part of it and that was part of it for me too so early on i struggled with depression anxiety so bad like debilitating and then as i got out of that i realized that i was that was a piece of me that was lacking was like i lacked a little bit of that macho swagger and some of that had kind of just been stripped from me from being going through surgeries and chemo and everything else and like having this disease hit me at age 41. So I was like, didn't have any mojo. <laughs> right. And then I found some content out there in the world, not really even cancer related, but kind of just like motivational stuff. Right. I started like tapping into some motivational things. A good friend of mine found in particular, there is a absolute 
badass retired Navy SEAL commander named Jocko Willink. And he actually has some roots. He grew up in Connecticut and Maine. He uh, went on to be, you know, he was a a leader of the SEAL teams in Ramadi in Iraq. And he came back from that experience. You know, he'd lost friends along the way. He, He lost people in his, under his command. And now what he's doing is he's motivating around personal development, uh, leadership, business. And he has this, um, there's this material that he came up with. It's basically a spoken word album type thing he did with a DJ. It's kind of bizarre, but my friend Eric sent me this track from his album and he's like, whoa, you got to listen to this. And it was um, a track where he is talking at a event with a stage four cancer survivor about this experience of what it is to go through it. And it led me to all of his content and man, I, you went in a deep hole. You went down a, I, a Jocko hole. I went down the Jocko. Yes. I went there big time and started consuming all the stuff because I was lacking that groove of toughness, if that makes any sense. Well, I think what happens is that anybody, not just men, but people who get into a state of mental health and often they're not aware of it, right? That you were probably in a state of real depression and things and were not able to see from the outside perspective that there was a time before that you could get back to. Yeah. And that the Jocko hole (laughs) made you at least start having emotions where you're like, oh, I'm not always going to feel horrible and i'm not always in that it started me you recognize that you had been feeling so bad oh yeah it, it was like one thing in particular where he's like if it's okay to be broken if you're broken it's an opportunity for you to get back up get on your feet and move forward and it was probably that recognition that you were like oh i i'm broken yes and like i think that it's hard for people to actually recognize when they're in that state oh absolutely you nailed it so I think that, you know, that's a kind of a through line for everybody, but especially I think probably if you're going through your cancer treatment and needing to go by a day by day basis where you're just, okay, looking at what you have for the next like week, hour by hour, month, minute by right, minute. Yeah. yeah like, yeah. It, it, all, it all just seems daunting and overwhelming and you physically feel horrible as well. You can't see that way out. And so when you have other people, when you have your friends and your family telling you about it, it doesn't feel always like they understand what you're talking about. And you kind of probably get in a little bit of like a mindset of like, they don't know what I'm dealing with. 100%. So let's layer some culture on top of that. Because before cancer, BC again, as a guy who kind of grew up in the 80s, came of age in the 90s, then into the 2000s. As a guy, you are looking to the role models available to you. And most of those are like, or not not necessarily role models, but just what the media puts out there is what it means to be a man. And to me, they offer like, basically, there's two extremes of what it is to be a man. You can be the sensitive schlub, which is Ross from Friends. I mean, he's like, oh, super sensitive. So, so we're going to talk about how old we are now because we're yes. looking at what we're- <laughs> We are in our early 40s. We're going to go there. But no, all the young kids are watching Friends now too. Oh yeah, so, okay. Yeah, all right. So there's there's Ross from Friends, and then the the opposite is let's say Jax from Sons of Anarchy, just like the complete bad boy, like whatever the hell I want to do, like I'm just rolling in my leather jacket. Now I'm I'm taking it off and showing you my six pack, and like now I'm just gonna like leave, but you're gonna love me even more. Like so, there's not much uh, room in between that are shown. It's either the 
bad guy or the super sensitive guy. So I would say BC, I was more toward Roth for sure. Like I've always loved writing and poetry and um, talking and philosophy and, and thinking. And But I have been physical. I've been an athlete. I've been all that too. But I would say I was lacking a little bit of that kind of aggression. And, and, and I think we're, for a lot of us in our age group, that aggression has been told to us that that's, that's wrong. Like we, you know, you shouldn't be aggressive. Like you don't need that uh, fierceness, that toughness piece. Like there's a lot out there conspiring against that in men. And so I think part of me with the Jocko thing was like, yeah, I need to be a little bit more of a badass. And that's not a bad thing to round out that personality. Now, at the same time, there are some men who are You're too macho, at, right? Yeah. You're looking at trying to create a Venn diagram that creates a certain type of male perspective and understanding that there are many parts that make it feel whole. And that right, right. now, I, I don't disagree that right now there is a lot of communication towards how we especially raise boys right you know and raising a boy on my own not on my own but raising a boy myself she didn't mean that Jason. <laughs> yeah sorry jason <laughs> raising a boy myself i know that i went into having an older daughter and having her be my first child being a perspective of like okay when I have this next child, when we found out he was a boy, I was like, I'm just gonna, I'm just gonna do the same exact parenting that I did with her. And it's gonna be, it's gonna be awesome because gender, you know, gender nonconformity, you know, and stuff like that. And then you get there. And when you were talking about earlier, where it's like, this combination of, you know, nurture versus nature, and that, you know, Ooh. biological part and trying to figure out like, I am a feminist and raising a boy trying to also make sure that right. he understands exactly my perspective being a woman and how I do not want him to become this certain type of man. Absolutely. But also, like you're saying, realizing that there is aggression there. <laughs> there is, there is, you know, a real sense of emotion that I have to honor is part of his molecular structure. Right, that can be channeled toward good. Now, so right. because I think a lot of this backlash against the aggression and sort of being fierce as a male comes from a really a, a good place and a place of good intent. Like, Which we also need to teach our girls. Right. You know, one of the things that we find as women is that as you get older, we have really come into a, a rut of trying to be a quiet people pleaser and being told not to not to be aggressive. Right. And that that is, you know, the ideal of how we should be in a room because we're going to be thought of as a bitch. There's just a real. So it's a very similar through line. Yes. That that we're talking about that there's a place of aggression that we need to all kind of embrace and know how to use. Without being a dick. Right. <laughs> right. Like, let's just say it like without like you can like. So I'm trying to you know cultivate this badass in me without being an asshole or being, you know, not respectful of women or like, it's not about, so that like, I'm pretty sure you would be out on your porch pretty quickly. Yeah, if that exactly. was <laughs> I would be out on my porch. Unfortunately, I haven't gotten there yet. Right. So, so yeah, I think that there's, there's I a think lot that this. it's exactly, you know, why I got engaged in this process with you is that when you were describing exactly your perspective and why you felt this was important to your community, I think that there needs to be so many more voices in more male communities, not just the ones that are dealing with, you know, cancer care and but that talk about the Venn diagram that becomes a man. Yeah, let's make room for the complex man again. Right. Right. 
like the guy that, you know, does jujitsu and um, is, is tough and can defend himself physically in a fight if necessary, but might love the giving tree and cry a little right. bit. Yeah. right? Um, and for that man to be proud and say, hey, this is me. Um, and so that's we're we're kind of doing that in the cancer community is to say to the guys who come into the man up to cancer space is to be like, you know what? It's okay for you to be complex. It's okay for you to still retain your toughness and your aggression, but also accept help and see that as a strength and not a weakness. So being vulnerable, if you need to talk about it, talk about it. If you need to cry about it, cry about it like that to take away the shame and the stigma around rounding out your whole human self. And you're giving them a community where when they do those things, there's positive reinforcement within the community instead of a negative stigma. So you're ultimately showing them like that this is a great way to find support. Don't feel like you're not giving them any negative feedback. Your community is based on being able to be there both in the positive and the negative aspects, but always giving a positive relationship that is involved in that. That's exactly right. And I think that's what's missing in what I call cancer land, which is the content that is, let's say, curated for people going through cancer. I feel like that's missing. And I feel like it's almost the two extremes that I talked about. Like it's either gloom and doom or it's toxic positivity. And toxic positivity is all about you know, that you need to be positive all the time and, and you need to be, there's no room for fear and there's no room for grief and there's no room for all that stuff. I think that that is just a bunch of shit. And I think that that is not helpful to people's health. When when you're repressing all that other pieces of it, right? that's not good for trying to take on cancer. I, yeah. It's not good for anybody doing anything. I mean, <laughs> like you talk about that in the sense of the, you know, the cancer community. And I can't even imagine, I mean, obviously I'm not somebody who's dealing with this battle, but I can't imagine if I was doing this day in and day out and having these thoughts day in and day out and having somebody come to me, like say, if you just fight hard enough, or if you just have more positive thoughts, or if you just, you know, it's kind of similar in my life to, you know, if I ever gripe about my son being an asshole, even though he's just a six-year-old and somebody coming at me saying, (laughs) did you just call your son an asshole? Yes, I did. (laughs) It's like, it's like owning that idea that you can have real feelings that don't necessarily reflect a positive take on it. But it still helps you actually have a relationship with the feeling and move through it. So beautifully said. And this is why I'm so excited to have you be part of this podcast and to have these conversations because sometimes when there's content created for a cancer community, I can get lost in the weeds talking about the minutia of cancer. And you are here to pull me out of there if necessary. And also just to connect the conversations that we have with people in this space to universal insights and lessons and questions that everyone can identify with, cancer or not. Like the past, however long we've been talking is a perfect example. Like we're talking about a community that's going through a specific challenge, but really what we're talking about is what it means to be human. So thank you for that. Uh, Secondly, there's also going to be times where I have no idea where I'm going with one of my rambles and I'm going to lean on you to help me figure out what's under there and what needs to be talked about because that's where growth happens. And this podcast for me is about my growth too. Like I don't have the answers to all this crap. I'm pretty sure you don't have the, do you have have like no answers? (laughs) (laughs) So maybe by doing this and like, you know, this back and forth, we can dig some stuff out and have you know, really grow too. And, and that can be experienced by the people who listen to this. So 
Um, I'm excited about it. Again, I didn't know too much about you before this, although I did know that you are from Vermont. <laughs> we both like trucker hats, which I think was maybe what I thought of when I reached out to you for the logo. It was just the um, two things, the trucker hat and yeah. the Vermont. Well, no. What else? Oh, that you're you're a kind of a library nerd. True. Yes. Yes. I love I love just being in a quiet space. <laughs> but you're also carrying like 400 books. Like I see you at the library carrying 400 books and I'm like, no one reads that like I've read like two books in the I don't I'm not even going to say they're but. mostly picture books though to be fair because they're mostly just to entertain my children I don't know I ha- I put you up on this pedestal of, of like being like you, you seem like you have all your shit together so is this going to be a place where you're going to tell the world that that's not necessarily true <laughs> I think that that pedestal is going to disappear within probably three podcasts okay so tell me why you yeah why are you why do you want to be here why do you why like when I was talking about the podcast you're like oh we should have conversations. I'm like, yeah, I love that idea. But why did you like that idea? Well, as somebody who uses podcasts myself to kind of help me decompress and things like that, I find that I gravitate towards the podcast structures that are either like the lengthy stories that are, you know, told in a serial format or the conversations between people dealing with real things, but in a very open and honest way. And when you were talking about the podcast originally, I was thinking, oh my God, this is gonna be so great for you to be able to get your voice out into your community in a way that didn't seem like it was represented. There's There are other cancer podcasts, there are other things that are dealing with many <laughs> with mental health and well-being, but I think your perspective on the male well-being within the community is very, it's a very specific genre if that's the right word i'm not sure i, I think that's right and, and <laughs> but, you have um you have males that you care about we're gonna have future talks about raising a six-year-old boy i feel like it's such a gauntlet you know because i grew up in the 80s like things were very simple mm-hmm. like u.s good russia bad he-man uh wrestling um superman like i mean maybe things haven't changed that much we're, and we're gonna we're gonna push most of this to another show but i'd be interested to see what you think has changed and what you think maybe hasn't changed for boyhood yeah no uh, yeah and I, I will i will give you be able to give you my perspective on it and i hope all of the people who listen to the podcast understand that my perspective is only my perspective and in no way a relationship or parenting guide because I am winging it at the best I can, but it's- asterisk number two. Yeah, asterisk. So, Trevor is not giving medical advice on the show, and Kellen is not giving parenting advice. No, and probably the pedestal that you've put me on now will become something <laughs> that you're going to be. I think that one of the things that was interesting when we started talking about the podcast was I I thought that you were definitely needing to have somebody to kind of bounce your thoughts off of. Yep. And it was... I do, because I talk all day. Like, I just ramble about this stuff at home. And the, my family just now, at this point, just rolls their eyes, right? They're just looking at me like, oh, my God, it's the man up to cancer stuff again. Like, stop talking about cancer and men and all this. So this is like a great, you know... And it was just my branding... This is therapy. Yeah, and it was just my branding ideas of, like, how I thought you best reflect to the world. And then you kept on mentioning me and I kept on trying to step back. <laughs> right? And I'm like, no, no, we need to roll with this. This is good. I, I love it. Um, all right. We could go down this road a long time, but I'm going to save the rest for later. Um, I want to thank you for... Yeah, thank you for having me six feet apart at yes, your house, we carefully. Are, we are in the age of COVID-19 and yep. we are appropriately distanced. Yep. Keeping um, everybody healthy. I, I might get weepy again here, but I do want to thank you for... Like, I wouldn't be doing this if it wasn't for you and for you to 
like that first conversation, I had no idea if this concept had any legs to it. And you were just like, yeah, let's do this. And for you to give me that validation and then to do everything you've done to make this a real community that's helping a lot of people is really helping guys and the people who love them. Like I see it all the time in our private group, in our social media, on the website, um, in the emails that I get and the texts that I get. So it is a real impact that you are helping to make here. And so thank you so much for being part of it. Well, thank you for letting me be part of it. It's an honor. All right. You're going to hear from us a lot more, hopefully. Um, Maybe at some point we will be able to move this podcast out of my 12-year-old's bedroom. No, it's ours now. She can't have it back. It it is kind of comfortable in here, but I would like to move out to the office at some point and send the kids to school, you know, maybe. But yeah, I think for a while we're going to be in here. But all right. Thanks for listening, everyone. And we will catch you next time. See you next week. Or whenever. Or whenever. Thanks for listening to the Man Up to Cancer podcast. If you want to get behind our mission, you can connect with us, subscribe to our email list, and check out our other content at manuptocancer.com. And if you know a man struggling with the isolation that cancer can bring, let him know about us. The Wolfpack doors are always open. <laughs>